At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz. Presented by Bet Rivers. Told that uh, for the first time, the Pittsburgh Penguins put a four-year deal on the table. And I think... Ideally, in a perfect world, the Penguins would be hoping to get Malkin on a four-year deal at the same AAV as Chris Letang, who came in at 6.1 on a six-year deal. Um, I think the Malkin camp really needed to get to that four-year deal in order to try and make the total dollars more palatable. I don't see Bet Rivers posting any odds on Evgeny Malkin remaining a Penguin, but after what just happened yesterday with Ricard Raquel getting a new contract and Malkin deciding to go to free agency after allegedly getting that offer that Frank Saravalli just pointed out, I'm guessing those odds would be expanded dramatically today. I am Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. We'll get to Penguins hockey in just a little bit. Swing for the fences on Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook this week. When you make a first-time deposit using the code DERBY on the Baseball Home Run Derby, sign up is super easy with the BetRivers Online Sportsbook app or visit BetRivers.com. Deposit $100 to receive a free BetRivers bet for home runs hit or deposit $250 to get the total home runs for the entire Derby as a free BetRivers bet. The offer is valid through July the 11th, actually from July the 11th through July the 18th. So download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today and use the code DERBY when you make a first time deposit. Visit betrivers.com to see all the latest odds, boosts, and promotions running this baseball season. Bet with the winner, Bet with Bet Rivers, presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. 
A tense night, but a good night yesterday for me. Three baseball over-unders that I bet on hit. I recommended them on the podcast yesterday. Mikolas and Nola and the Cards and the Phillies. That one barely held on at seven when the over-under was seven and a half. There was Max versus Max, Freed versus Scherzer. The Mets kept the score going late, and I got a little edgy there too, but the total held under six and a half. And Boston over against Tampa. That one was over early, and I felt good about that. But the only one I didn't hit was the doubleheader. That's usually money in the bank. Pick the loser of game one in game two. The Tigers kept threatening to make it happen, but to no avail. You can try that tactic again tonight. I will because Dylan Cease is pitching for the White Sox, and they are playing Cleveland, and Cleveland won game one, so I'm going hard with the White Sox in Game 2 at minus 165. As for the Pirates, Mitch Keller actually got to the 7th inning, which is extraordinary news. First time in his career that he did it. I didn't think it was possible. Bet against Mitch Keller Monday was a big fail, but that's why I told you to stay away. The Marlins didn't have a good matchup, so I laid off the Pirates. I probably will again, and I made through the end of the first half of the season with the Rockies looming too. Just too many variables from other mediocre teams. They aren't even going to get Chad Cool to throw against them. I would throw down a lot on Cool in that game at Coors Field, that's for sure. Tonight, I'm tempted. You know, I'd love to bet against Chris Stratton as a starter, for God's sakes. But do you really have faith in dealing Castano and the Marlins at minus 150? I don't. How about the Yankees at minus 335 with Garrett Cole pitching against the Reds? Yikes. I told you about how good the Orioles are against the run line. Well, they're getting one and a half against the Cubs, and they are at minus 200 for tonight. Maybe that's a good parlay with Cole, Logan Webb, and the Giants at 7-3, a 298 ERA. They're playing the Arizona Diamondbacks, minus 225 if you want to parlay the Yankee Cole game with Logan Webb and the Giants. That could be a good fit as well. But let's get to the Penguins. Still at plus 2,500 to win the Cup. That hasn't moved since Raquel and Latang stayed. Let's see what happens if Evgeny Malkin does leave, though. If you were under the impression that Evgeny Malkin's contract negotiations with the Penguins are going to end as swimmingly as Chris Latang's did, I'm sorry to disappoint. Apparently, this keeping the band together thing isn't going to happen without getting out of tune. Malkin has been playing hardball with the Penguins, and Penn's general manager Ron Hextall appears willing to do the same. Hextall proved that by retaining Raquel to the tune of $30 million over five years Monday night, he's squeezing the cap so tight that Malkin may not have the room to come back even if he wants to do so. This is no longer about Malkin wanting to continue playing with his brothers Latang and Sidney Crosby. This is no longer about Malkin just needing a little love to keep playing in Pittsburgh because he's already a rich guy. This is about money. This is about term. This is about raw cash in the deal versus the perceived amount Malkin can get on the open market, not to mention ego and perception associated with annual average value and total guaranteed money. This is about terse phone calls being made from agents to management and management to agents, not weepy texts between teammates who are all up in their feelings as apparently Latang, Crosby, Rust, and Malkin have been this entire offseason. As Frank Saravalli said at the top of the podcast, the Penguins put a four-year deal on the table for Malkin. 
It's his belief that the team's goal is to get Malkin signed roughly at $6.1 million each year, just like Latang's AAV. That should be enough for Malkin. If it's not, the Penguins need to be prepared to let him walk. Latang took less than he could have gotten on the open market this year, as did Brian Rust, as has Crosby in the past. Malkin has to know that he can't grab every penny possible, come back to Pittsburgh, and expect the team to have virtually any extra money to improve itself. Look at the math. Latang and Malkin counted at a combined $16.75 million against the cap last year. At $6.1 million apiece this year, that's 12.2. Rust is making an extra $1.6 than he did last year. Casey DeSmith will count an extra half million. That means those four guys will count approximately $14.3 million. So that's only $2.45 million in savings off of what Malkin and Latang could count against the 2022-23 cap on what we were assured would be reduced deals. The theoretical goal was that the Penguins could actually spend a little bit in free agency to approve upon a team that has been bounced in the first round of the playoffs each of the last four seasons. But even that $2.45 million has evaporated now, too, because that's almost exactly the difference between Raquel's adjusted cap hit last year and the $5 million that he'll make this year thanks to his new contract. If, at age 35, with two knee surgeries under his belt and signs of decline starting to show, Malkin still thinks he can get more than what Hextall offered, well, then he should go test free agency. Now, according to Darren Drager of TSN, Malkin is planning to do just that. As Drager points out, Malkin has every right to do so, and no one should begrudge him trying the open market for the first time in his career. In line with that, reports from the Athletics suggest that Malkin may not even have gotten that fourth-year offer in the first place. Brian Burke denied that to Trib Live and Seth Roraba in a story that Seth posted today. Regardless, though, let's turn off the waterworks if Malkin leaves. Let's erase sentimentality as part of the equation when it comes to the importance of keeping the core together. Let's stop pretending that Malkin staying with Latang and Crosby is as important to him as it appears to be the other two, or the legions of fans on Twitter who are acting as if life as they know it will cease if Malkin ever skates in another team's jersey. Frankly, maybe Hextall and the rest of the front office have gotten too caught up in all that themselves to even let negotiations get this far. If I'm Hextall, I give Malkin until the last possible minute to sign before free agency hits. Then I go out and get the best free agent center possible or a trade to replace Malkin to get a second-line center in here as soon as possible. Then I leave a little cash, just a bit, remaining on the table and see exactly how important it is for Malkin to play with his brothers then. After signing Raquel on Monday, that's not going to be very much. This hardball thing can definitely go both ways. Malkin's been trying it, and by signing Raquel, that's proof to me the team is invested in taking that tack as well. We'll talk about that next with Brian Metzer, the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. And 1-800-522-4700 in Nevada. 
Back on the Pittsburgh CityCast, pleased to be joined right now by Brian Metzer of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. You can hear Mets pregame, postgame, and intermission. Pens Live weekly on Saturdays during the hockey season. Mets, thanks for coming on again as we get prepared to hit free agency with the Penguins. And Evgeny Malkin will be a part of the free agent pool. He is taking his talents to the open market. Do you think he comes back to Pittsburgh or not? Well, Tim, I would say that the chances got a lot slim or more slim the moment the Raquel deal was signed um, a night ago because money that had probably been earmarked for Evgeny Malkin was now utilized for a younger player with longer term than Gino was going to be able to get. And with the Penguins holding just $10.3 million in cap space, I don't know that there is currently room for the $6.1 million offer that has been much ballyhooed. Now, all that said, if they find a way to make a trade with one of those younger defensemen to open up some more cap space, I'm sure there's a way to circle back and find a, some common ground. But as soon as Gino made the announcement, they made their announcement. And I know you wrote about it. It's a game of hardball being played. It's going to be very, very intriguing to see how this all works out over the next 24 to 48 hours. But it feels like more right now than ever that Evgeny Malkin may have, may have played his last game in a Pittsburgh Penguins jersey. And I will quickly say this is all uh, going around the block to get to the, to the same place as where I thought we were going to be a month ago. I had heard some talk that the plan was sign Latang, turn the page on Gino, sign some other players. Well, after a bunch of pillow talk and hope of maybe keeping it all together, it looks like that is exactly where we are at this moment as we head into unrestricted free agency. Mets looking at where Malkin is on his career arc. Where does he think he's going to get that much more money than he would have gotten if he had accepted 6.1 over four, which is kind of what was floated out there by Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Do you think there's a team that legitimately is going to give him a better deal than that? I I would think if somebody did, it would have to be a team. Just I'm not, this is nothing I've heard. I'm just throwing it out. It would have to be somebody like Arizona who wants to make sure they can sell tickets, or uh, someone who's in a complete rebuild that has a ton of cap space that just wants some ticket selling mechanism i could see that being a possibility but any contending team doesn't have room to take a risk on evgeny malkin and say okay i'm going to give you six or seven years at a a significant increase on on where the penguins were going to be now could he get managed to get the same money somewhere else maybe for a longer term potentially i i just think that it's going to be a, a tough nut for him to crack going out into the open market But they call it silly season for a reason, Tim, and people are going to be enamored by the fact that Gino would have a chip on his shoulder. He, Whenever he is locked in and playing at the level we know he's still capable of, he is a very good hockey player. And I think he he is very good. It's just a matter of he, he has a lot of injury issues. He's not quite the guy he was five, six years ago. He's played, what, 65% of the games over the last four years or something like that. And it's it's just a very big risk, I think, for a team when you look at the wear and tear on his body, the multiple knee uh, knee surgeries that he's gone through, to make that kind of financial uh, commitment to a player who is going to be nearing 40 by the end of this deal, if not beyond 40, depending on the years he gets. So I, I think that 
he may find himself in a spot where it's not maybe quite as lucrative on the open market as he had envisioned. And when he comes back to the Penguins saying, oh, you know what, maybe we, we do have some common ground, it might be too late. Because I, I totally anticipate that they're going to pull the trigger on something tomorrow uh, or at, at the start of free agency at noon on the 13th and find a way to offset the loss of Evgeny Malkin. They're not going to sit around and wait to see if he comes back and play the Ray Shiro game of many moons ago back coming out of the 2008 season where he waited several days for Marion Hosa to make a decision only to see him go another direction. And then he was left picking up the pieces with uh, Miro Shatan and, and uh, Fedotenko, even though those players were instrumental in helping the team win the Stanley Cup the next season. Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. Did they give Raquel FU money because of Gino? Like, <laughs> I, honestly, that's that's the way it feels. I didn't expect Raquel to get that much, and I certainly didn't expect him to get that much from the Penguins. Maybe he got FU term, Tim. You know, like, yeah, it was like well, even st- <laughs> you know? no, but even still, I didn't expect him to walk away getting five million from the Penguins. No, it, it was a, a little bit of a surprise, but I feel like on the open market. Raquel could have gotten that easily. So they probably looked at it and said, okay, this guy has 25, 30 goal potential. He's only 29 years old. Let's get him locked up. We know he, he meshed well with Sidney Crosby. We know he's a good two-way player. He brings some good size. I mean, they've gone out of their way to really ballyhoo him uh, over the last 24 hours since this signing, not even 24 hours. I mean, but they've gone out of their way to put some quotes out that they like his size and they like the way he fit in. Plus, when you consider the assets they gave up to get him, they gave up a you know a pretty good goaltending prospect. They gave up a second-round pick. Ron Hextall is not one to do that, so I think that he wanted to ensure he locked this player up. And when you look at that scenario, I think that it makes sense. But I was a little surprised that it's five over uh, over six years. I mean, that's hitching yourself to a wagon that's going to be you know, 35 years old at the end of the deal. And some of the speculation that I have heard coming out of behind the scenes with the Penguins is that Ron Hextall didn't really want to go long-term with guys nearing their 30th birthday or at their 30th birthday because of what could happen when players start to hit that 35 range. So that was a little bit of an eyebrow raiser. But at the end of the day, they like what he brings to the table. And uh, that's $5 million that can't go to Evgeny Malkin now. And uh, I, I think that that in and of itself kind of tells you where their mindset is going into free agency. Yeah, I see it. I guess if they feel like this is going to get Malkin back to the Penguins on a lesser number than what they would have had to pay to keep him because he goes to the open market and there's nothing that's out there that's all that palatable and worth moving, and they sort of squeeze him back to PPG Paints Arena, okay, but you know they're going to have either Brian Rust or Ricard Raquel playing with Jeff Carter, or I don't know who the second line center is. I guess what I'm saying is one of those two wingers to me feels like they're going to be a little bit overpaid to play with a center. That's not up to their caliber, because if it's not Gino who gets squeezed back to Pittsburgh, how are you going to afford on the open market or trade for a second line center of anybody of worth uh, with the 10 point whatever million they've got left, and they've still only got 10 forwards, uh, I, I get that they can probably move one contract in the blue line and elevate POJ, but I, I don't know, Mets. I mean, I still like feel like they got to spend elsewhere. And, and at that point, have you really improved the team? I, I keep coming back to that. Have you really improved the Penguins, or have you just kept them the same? Well, at this point, Tim, I mean, I don't feel that they've improved, and they're maybe not even going to keep them the same because the, yeah, they're going to have to wait into free agency to fill out their forward ranks. 
uh, to the point you just made. I mean, you only have 10 guys under contract. So you're going to see some younger, and that's counting uh, Zahorna and O'Connor, really, if you, if you think about it. So they need to find a way to, to get some guys that they're comfortable using at the NHL level. And will Mike Sullivan be comfortable using those two players? We're not quite sure yet. I mean, they both have had cups of coffee in the league. O'Connor had his health issues last year. But I think they need to find some other NHL-caliber players. And lost in the shuffle of all of this is, a guy that scored 18 goals for them last year, Danton Hine, and they couldn't come to terms with him. I know that he was invisible for points of the season, but he was really good down the stretch and in the playoffs. So he's going to be gone. That yeah, was he's, he's one of the guys I actually thought they might keep from restricted. Yeah, I, I was with you. I, I was with you there. I thought so. And then you start hearing talk that he wanted, you know, over three million dollars a season. They were probably hoping to give him a moderate raise of giving him five hundred thousand or something. And going from, what, 1.1 mil to, oh, well, we'll get you up just under two. And then he's like, no, that's not going to happen. Now, they could circle back on him for sure. But I think he's probably not long for this world. He'll probably find a new home for bigger money than they want to pay. So when you look at it that way, they they may not even be the same team, let alone get better. Now, all of that said, I don't envision a scenario where Jeff Carter ends up being the number two center. I feel like they will get somebody if it's not Geno. It's probably going to be someone like Vince Trocek. Maybe they wow the masses and, and find a way to make a trade for a JT Miller. I, I just think that that's going to require too many assets, and it's too hard to make that a reality. So that brings you back to Trocek. People will whine and get all upset about it and say he's a drop-off from Geno. People will then make the case that Trocek is a better fit for Sullivan. He's a better two-way player at this stage of his career. He's younger, et cetera, et cetera. And you try and offset the loss on the power play which, of course, Penguins Nation will convince themselves that no matter what happens by Thursday is the best thing on earth and they made the best decision for the team and they'll be just fine. But I, I just think that it's looking at it right now, the one of the worst contracts on their ledger is the Jeff Carter one, and it's the one that was signed last year. You're paying a guy at 37 years old $3.1 million. I would have liked to have seen that come in lower. Uh, that's going to make things a little you know, difficult in terms of trying to flesh out the rest of your forwards. And right now, you're going to probably be in the same spot that they were last year, going into free agency, looking for some bottom basement deals. And it would be the kind of things that they signed whenever they were able to get Erod for a nice rate, which I think they'll find a way to do that again. Heinen, they were able to find for cheap money. So you're looking for the next Heinen. That doesn't always work out so well. You don't always get 18 goals for a million bucks. Now, their hope is that that will be out there to flesh out their scoring. But I, I do at least believe that once it all, all the dust settles, Tim, the top six forwards will look very NHL caliber. They'll be strong, uh, probably two-way units that can go out and win some hockey games in the regular season. It's just a matter of figuring out how you flesh the rest of this lineup up out to then finally get out of the first round, which you haven't been able to do over the last handful of years. Brian Metzger, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. I'm starting to wonder if they move two defensemen. I wouldn't be shocked, Tim, when I was I mean, looking at this. You might have to, right? Like you have to, you move one, and that becomes POJ, and you finally stick with him, and yep. then you move another for a two million dollar defenseman. I I feel like you're going to see something happen with well, if they wanted to shock everyone, they would move Brian Dumoulin, and then that might upset Chris Letang. So I think that that's off the table. But I I really anticipate seeing something happening with John Marino and Marcus Patterson. I, I just we've heard both of their names way too often and there has been a lot of speculation coming out of the draft there were apparently you know trades kicked around i haven't heard any specifics but a lot of people were talking that 
there were a lot of conversations. So Jim Rutherford is anticipated. He will circle back to the Penguins and hope to get John Marino. Uh, I heard that from people in Canada. I've heard it from people locally that he's still very much enamored with that kid. And he's thought of highly around the league. People like him at only 25 years old. And they think that if he can take one more step forward and maybe re-harness the glory of his rookie year, 4.4 million through 26, 27 could be a steal kind of defenseman for you. So I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen. Uh, and it, as soon as you saw Latang sign, I think that it made it a little bit more realistic that you could afford to move that right-handed defenseman and, and make a move to finally get POJ and Deer line up finally have maybe even another young player as you just speculated. But I think those two guys with a tertiary look at Brian Dumoulin maybe are the three in conversation. And now that I say all that, maybe they just blow our minds and go out and find someone to take the 4.8 of Mike Matheson because people will be enamored with his goal-scoring ability, and that opens up a nice chunk of change too. But I I do think Marino and Pedersen are the focal points in trades, and I would assume for sure one of them, if not both, are on new rosters by the start of the regular season. Brian Metz of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. Metz, as I peruse the free agent lists that are out there, you know, one thing that has sort of annoyed me in the dialogue about everything that's been going on around the Penguins is this belief that if somebody in the media or somebody who's a fan on Twitter says, hey, I think it's best if the Penguins turn the page and move on from their current core, you know, the... Twitter folks who take themselves way too seriously and think they're too smart uh, love to pipe back with, well, then you got to tell me what they're going to do. you got to tell me what they're going to trade and who they're going to get exactly and make it fit under the cap. And Vince Trocek <laughs> can't be that guy because he's going to be too expensive and they'll never win a trade war for JT Miller and Klingberg is going to make even more than Chris Letang, so it can't be those guys. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I don't remember anybody saying the name Chris Kunitz out loud in 2009. Yeah. Um, I don't remember James Neal's name being brought up until he was actually acquired from Dallas. Um, I don't remember Nick Benino's name being floated out there, nor Justin Schultz or Trevor Daly before they got here. Like, that's what the general managers do. Um, yep. You know, I'm just putting out the opinion that four years in a row of losing in the first round isn't working, and it's going to work even less as these guys age. And as we've just talked about, they're just bringing everybody back without getting any better anywhere else. So why should I believe it's going to get better next year? And why shouldn't I put that sort of onus on Ron Hextall to figure that part of the equation out on his own? He's the general manager. And I think that's what they're working very hard on as we speak. You know, it's not always the the big name. And it's easy to look at the list and say, boy, you know, if they could fit in Johnny Gaudreau, they'd be in great shape, Tim. You know, that would be an awesome acquisition. Well, no, they probably still wouldn't be able to play good defense if they have to make a trade to make that kind of deal happen. So uh, I think you're you're right. I mean, they have guys that are arrows in the quiver, so to speak, that are under the radar players that the scouts, the pro scouts have worked on. I mean, there's intriguing guys that didn't receive quali- qualifying offers from a lot of different teams that they decided to move on from. And maybe you find one of them that ends, ends up being a late bloomer. I mean, look at look at Nichushkin for Colorado. I mean, he turned one good year after being an absolute dud as a first-round draft pick, a high first-round draft pick, into a lucrative eight-year uh, contract now with the Colorado Avalanche. So I think, and also being a main player on a Stanley Cup champion, there are players like that with a lot of pedigree 
that are kind of under the surface that I think general managers and pro scouts have their eye on that they know they can go out and make a very team friendly, you know, almost a minimum type contract offer to that they'll sign one or two years to make a name for themselves and then explode and go out and down the line after a couple of seasons. So I think Ron Hextall, the onus is on him to go find a couple of things like that. that could become players that would blossom in this organization. If they believe in their coaching staff and they believe in their minor league system, I mean, one of them right away, maybe Alex Nylander, who we just saw sign a new contract the other day. Maybe he gets a look in the NHL this year. I think it's going to cost him 750000 if he plays at the NHL level. Well, he was essentially a point-of-game guy once he got to Pittsburgh or to Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. Maybe that can come up and translate a little better than it did when he was a Buffalo Sabre. Those kinds of players are what they're going to have to focus on if they spend all their money as they are close to have done, doing so to just keep the, the band together as much as they have up to this point. Mets, last thing. What happened? Did Gino get a fourth-year offer or not? What do you think? Brian Burke insists that he did. Multiple reports say that he did. Other reports, specifically from the Athletics, say that he didn't. What do you know? What do you believe? I, I'm at the point where I believe that he got at least an offer of a fourth year. I don't know if the money got to where he wanted, but the fact that Burke is saying it, I mean, he's going to say what makes the team, you know, look a little better in that situation. The fact that Frank Cervelli says it says, I, I personally believe that Frank Cervelli's source would be Brian Burke. They talked a lot, awful lot whenever Burke, he was in Canada, they've probably become friendly. And I know that Brian Burke is not beyond calling reporters and or radio hosts, et cetera. I've, I've heard stories of him doing that over the last handful of years uh, when he doesn't like something that's being reported that he vehemently denies, et cetera. So I do believe they got to the point of a, a fourth year being on the table. It may have been late in the game. I feel like some of the reporting that came out to the contrary, uh, some of the athletic stuff, I don't know that I put as much credence in it, uh, especially because there's a reporter there who I really trust, and there's one that gets sensational, and these reports are coming from the sensational one. And I, I just I feel like there might be a little bit of truth to all sides of this, but I believe that the Penguins probably went to a fourth year. I don't think the money got to where it was. Maybe Gino did have a little bit of a boo-boo lip knowing that he was a back burner agenda item for them, but he really wasn't. He was still one of the focal points of negotiations. They they were coming right down the line. If you believe what you've heard, they they, they might have done a little bit of a double bait and switch on him talking contract back in March and then changing the terms as we got to the end of the season. But things change in terms just of how you look at these scenarios. So in my view, I feel like they finally got to a fourth year, maybe didn't get to it on money. Gino just said, Hey, I want to see what's out there. And then they decided to move on and sign Raquel. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see how this shakes out tomorrow and into Thursday and Friday. But for right now, I, I think that and no one's going to look great in this, but I think Gino needed to suck it up a little bit and say, hey, my compatriots that I want to play with did take a little bit less money, took a little bit less term. Maybe he got offended that Latang got six years and they weren't offering him six. Well, no one's in shape like Chris Latang either. So I, I don't know that you could have made a case for giving him six. If they offered four over 6.1, like we've heard, I think he should have taken that deal. But I'm not him, and we don't know exactly what happened. Mets, thanks for this. 
uh, off next week, and then we're back for our final hockey podcast in July, and we will recap what happens during the first wave of free agency and trade season, and then regather for, I guess, training camp or the preseason once things get underway once again for the Penguins. Thanks for everything, and uh, we'll knock out one more before July ends. Appreciate it, man. Hey, appreciate you having me on. I always love our hockey talks on a weekly basis, and we'll see what the Penguins look like when the dust settles uh, in, in a few days here. It's going to certainly be some intriguing things and situations with Evgeny Malkin maybe pulling on a new sweater, Tim. I'm curious. Really, really quick, where's he going to go if it's not the Penguins? Where do you think? I would guess Dallas or New York. I keep hearing Boston all of a sudden. Have you heard Boston? But then again, they're, th- they're talking about bringing back Krejci, right? Yeah, he's supposedly in negotiations to come back. And the only thing that might preclude uh, New York, unless it's the Islanders, is I don't know if you've heard the speculation over the last you know, few hours. Patrick Kane is apparently going to put a trade request in finally and say he's open to moving. And he is not opposed to going to New York to reunite with the bread man, Artemi Panarin. And if they bring in Patrick Kane, I don't think Evgeny Malkin's on the agenda. Yeah, I don't think you can squeeze that in. I just want to see what it looks like if he's coached by Tortorella. I mean, like, I never want to say out loud I want to see Gino in a Flyers uniform, but I saw Yager wear one. Um, And I would just love to see what that looks like. Torts coaching Gino. I'm not sure who would drive who crazy first. Somebody's winding up in a padded room in that relationship. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, I completely concur. And uh, if you do that, then, of course, you just got to go with the Internet speculation. Gino to the Flyers, Claude Giroux to the Penguins. Oh, God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Mets, thanks. We'll do it in two weeks to wrap up, all right? Sounds good, my friend. Talk to you in a bit. All right, so my thanks to Brian Metzer. Yeah, one more hockey podcast with him, and then we take a break for the summer, and we'll bring him back as training camp rolls around. Uh, speaking of training camp, that's where I will be after a week off next week, and we'll start doing lots of football coverage from Late Trobe as we're out there in the hunting cabin at Trib Live. Oh, I'll post videos of that. That's coming up in two weeks. I'll be off next week, but Anthony Jaskolski in with me tomorrow as we talk some baseball, maybe some horse racing, all things with Anthony Jaskolski, and we'll also kick around some hockey-free agency talk with him too. Certainly baseball conversation with the Pirates. And we get back to the Pens on Thursday after day one of free agency. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. It's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com.